Why does Mike have a cat? I have a three-legged cat over here. You ha also have a three-legged cat? Yeah. Welcome to another episode of Bourbon and Breaches, where we review one of our favorite bourbons and the top five most interesting data breaches from this last week. I'm Steve. Mike. Shu. Nikki. This is Miguel. Great. And to jump right into it, uh, welcome to 2021. And with 2021, we will be starting with the Evan Williams single barrel vintage. So uh, this is also a San Francisco World Spirit Competition double gold winner. I think I got, they, they won double gold. I don't know if I got the name right of the competition. That, that competition that has come up six or seven times on this show, they, they have also won. Uh, double gold. Um, this is a really interesting bourbon. So Evan Williams, a lot of people know Evan Williams, uh, and it's often considered a budget bourbon, right? You see big bottles of it. Um, you know, it's available in a lot of places. It's often uh, a well or close to well uh, bourbon at a bar. What's interesting though, is that uh, the Evan Williams single barrel, not only did they win double gold, but uh, this bottle was put into oak uh, in 2012. So that is eight to nine years in oak. Uh, on the back, they actually say which barrel, when it was put into the barrel uh, and when it was bottled. So they're giving you the, the full history of it. Um, I was really skeptical. Uh, I uh, knew of Evan Williams, didn't really expect much in terms of a sipping bourbon, and I was blown away um, when I first tried this. So a little bit about Evan Williams. They are uh, Heaven Hill Brands, uh, so they are a part of Heaven Hill and Heaven Hill's Distillery in Bardstown, Kentucky. Uh, Shu, you've been uh, on the bourbon trail. Did you go to Heaven Hill? Did go to Heaven Hill. A lot of fun there. Um, great tour, great visitor center too. They have a lot of interesting brands. So um, they, they definitely look like a lot of fun. They're just down the road from Willet as well. So, I mean, why not if you can get two for one? Now, what's interesting about the Evan Williams single barrel is, uh, and maybe half of this is marketing, but the uh, distillers, the makers, uh, they personally select the vintages for these single barrels. So this should be the finest Evan Williams you ever have. Um, it is a fairly normal proof, 86.6. Uh, so it's not like uh, that Old Forester 140 proof or whatever it was that we had the other, the other episode. Um, they uh, age it seven years and 10 months, so close to 11 years. Um, and it is 12% rye and 10% malted barley. So you'll notice malted barley here, uh, also an ingredient in Maker's Mark. Um, and uh, probably the most exciting thing about this, uh, it is MSRP at 27. And I, I got it for less than 28 in, in the heart of Austin. So for a double gold winner, it is the uh, cheapest or one of the cheapest that you can get. So let's go ahead and do a tasting. So 
We've got a nice caramel color on it. Uh, it's not as dark as some of the bourbons we've had on here. Uh, also not as light, um, pretty standard bourbony color. And uh, you notice a nice uh, sweetness as well as some oak on this. So you're gonna see um, you know, the tasting notes on here, uh, very regular to get oak, caramel, vanilla, I'm getting uh, oak and, uh, and a little bit of sweetness. And it's, it's a really smooth bourbon. So for $27, this is probably the smoothest bourbon I've ever had. Um, it's sweet, uh, there's uh, some heat to it, um, there's some oakiness to it, but it, it just goes down smooth. Um, you know, I would say if you're looking for a sipping bourbon and you're looking for something that's not gonna break the bank, um, this is a really good choice. Um, there's no aftertaste to it, nothing unpleasant. Um, you know, Shu, uh, I know that you visited this distillery. Did you try the single barrel? Uh, I believe I did. Um, and um, yeah, um, Evan Williams is, uh, every, every liquor has, every liquor class, there's always some brand that uh, hits above its weight class and for bourbon, um, Evan Williams definitely is, it's, uh, it's great for its price point. Um, yeah. I've been critical of other Heaven Hills brands before, but, um, Evan Williams is pretty solid. Did, wasn't Old Forester have Heaven Hill? Uh, I believe it was. And, and honestly, I was not a fan of that. Uh, yeah. Reagan, I think we, you mentioned burnt plastic and you attributed <laughs> that to a common theme with Heaven Hill. Yeah, Heaven um, Hill, it's it's a fun place to visit. Um, and most of their brands, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm just not a fan, but Evan Williams is, is pretty good. If, uh, if, this There's if, no burnt plastic uh, in this. Although it's not, um, what was that, 121? 100, 120 proof. 120 proof for, yeah. the, for the 1920. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is not 120 proof. So we'll have fewer uh, incidents on this episode, knock on wood. Maybe. Yeah, I don't often weigh in here, but I will mention that I think I had a taste of from that same bottle at Christmas um, and it's extremely drinkable. Uh, you know, so if you're, you know, if you're into bourbon mixed drinks and you're not sipping straight or with a, with a big uh, ice cube, this would be an excellent gateway bourbon to, to pour yourself a glass because it, it doesn't require any sophistication of the palate to enjoy it. Yeah, I will say uh, with this bourbon, um, one thing that I'll note is uh, this is the second bottle of it that I've that I've purchased. Uh, it came from the same barrel, so I purchased two bottles, both of which from the same barrel. Obviously, same taste. Um, and uh, yes, uh, I was going to feature this uh, on on an episode, and I have just enough less left <laughs> to uh, to feature it. Uh, well, Nikki, what do we have for 2021? The first one we'll be covering comes to us from thehackernews.com. Headline reads, Ticketmaster to pay $10 million fine for hacking a rival company. Ticketmaster has agreed to pay a $10 million fine after being charged with illegally accessing computer systems of a competitor repeatedly between 2013 and 2015 in an attempt to, quote, cut the company off at the knees. You guys looked at the story. What do you guys think? 
a couple of things. I mean, first, uh, what a way to kick off 2021. This is um, possibly the stupidest story that we're going to cover today. It's a, un unbelievably stupid. And one, one feature of the story that I think is interesting, you guys can weigh in, uh, is how effective old passwords were, though. I, I believe that this came from an old, old password dump getting passed around the office. Really, th this, was, this was not a sneaky attempt to hack a rival. This was incredibly brazen and open, but how effective old passwords were. They, they got data um, you know, that was more than uh, the 90-day cycle uh, old that repeatedly worked over and over um, for, for corporate espionage, but um, a, a very silly story. I, I saw this story and, and I absolutely loved it. Um, <laughs> there's so much to love about this story. Um, the, they, they had logins to some sort of app, some sort of, uh, account management app for arrival. They used it live on a sales kickoff. Like they, they used it live on some sort of sales training material. Um, they explicitly said like out loud, potentially on recording, like, we're not supposed to have this. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're, for, for, for cyber criminals, they, they were choreographing their moves. And it's, uh, it's hilarious. Um, I, I mean, uh, this, is, this is everything that you expect, right? Um, corporate espionage happens all the time. Um, it's often kept out of the news. Um, and uh, companies rarely do anything about it. Here's a case where, where they were so brazen that they were actually sued uh, and sued for, you know, what, $10 million? Who knows? A lot. Yeah, who, who knows how much damage Ticketmaster did? Um, so, yeah, this, this story has everything. It has cloak and dagger, stolen passwords, sales kickoffs. They're just beautiful. Um, there were several failure points, and uh, I don't want to um, victim blame here, but uh, very clearly there was there were some things that CrowdSurge could have done to prevent this. Um, I've berated this point before, but uh, there can be failures in your DevOps processes and your application development processes, and clearly this happened with clouds with CrowdSurge. Quick point: um, that is the definition of victim blaming. Just. <laughs> Well, and, and we were doing- I said I didn't want to victim blame, no, but- I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to victim blame, but I'm victim blaming. We here. were doing plenty of victim blaming uh, by saying that they should have forced reset their password, so. Yeah, de I mean, definitely that is... employee that left, they should have reset the password. And also uh, ours had more detail on this. Um, they had, uh, what they what Ticketmaster did was also guess the uh, URLs and it was very easy because um, it was sequential. It was just like one, two, three. And, you know, don't do that if you're making an application. Don't make it so easy. If you do do it, don't expose that to the world. You're asking for trouble. You Use a hash, use, use hash space to your advantage. Um, there's a company that I know and I was <clears throat> poking around their website and they had a uh, customer IDs that they would send back and they did not look hashed. They looked potentially sequential. And I said, huh, I wonder what happens when I increase that number. Yeah. Uh, not that I did that. Plus one doesn't work. 
and this might be a big surprise, but plus two and plus three, they don't work either. Mm -hmm. yep. But don't don't hack a competitor and throw a themed party around it. That's that's probably yes. Awesome. May take away. <clears throat> if you're going to commit a crime, don't say. By the way, I shouldn't be doing this. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> we ready for number two? Mm -hmm. Our second breach will be covering from Bleeping Computer. Headline reads, T-Mobile data breach exposed phone numbers, call records. According to T-Mobile, its security team recently discovered malicious, unauthorized access to their systems. After bringing in a cybersecurity firm to perform an investigation, T-Mobile found that threat actors gained access to the telecommunications information generated by customers known as CPNI. What do you guys think are the dangers of a hack like this? Um, <clears throat> with any phone provider, any hack revealing the information of subscribers is a direct attack against phones being used as two-factor authentication or multi-factor authentication. Um, uh, SIM swapping is a very common lucrative crime. Um, Vice did a whole uh, episode on it where you can swap SIM you, uh, and so many places use uh, SMS as a way to uh, verify that it's really you. So yeah, I mean, this is incredibly concerning. I use T-Mobile. Uh, they're uh, a great uh, self-provider, but it's incredibly worrying how much information is known about um, my account because um, it's very easy to SIM swap even with basic information. You, you know what provider someone uses you know, their address, you know, some other public information, you can sim swap. Um, and it has cost people millions of dollars. And then the, there's just certain industries um, that are private, but I would say that they're public adjacent or they're critical infrastructure adjacent. And when you're a cell phone provider like like T-Mobile, uh, that, that is one of those industries where, where you're adjacent and critical. Um, and there are so many other systems, as Steve alluded to, that are that are relied upon and essentially taken as given. You know, um, you, it's like it's like running the water or running anything else or running the running the power. You know, like it's 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 too it's too important to fail. Um, and so that that's that this is different than say Slack going out or you know uh, uh, something else that happened this week. You know, it, it's just one of those hacks that you don't want to see. Yeah, like you guys mentioned, uh, any other uh, breach, you see this and it's 200,000 out of, I don't know how many million you think, oh, it's not a big deal, but uh, exactly the, the, the SIM card jacking risk is uh, very high here. Um, and if anyone doesn't know what SIM card jacking is, it's basically rerouting a phone number from someone else to a phone that you have in your possession. So Steve, I can steal your phone number right there. And it's extremely, extremely bad, not just for the two-factor two authentication issues, um, but they also stole call data. So um, yes, it's only 200,000 people, but um, I'd be very worried if I was one of the 200,000 people. The third breach we'll be covering today 
comes to us from law.com. Sabre Corporation reaches $2.4 million settlement with 27 states and data breach that exposed 1.3 million credit cards. I'm guessing that's a very small number that you could actually find on the dark web. Can you guys kind of keep up? Because that headline screams, whoa, this is a big problem. But I'm going to guess that there's way more than that. What's your take? So I've got a non sequitur on this story. I'm glad we're covering this story. Uh, but this story is why Hack Notice exists. That this, this data breach, the Sabre data breach, is literally why Hack Notice exists. Um, I received a frantic phone call in 2017 about the Sabre data breach from one of the world's largest banks. Um, and they needed to know everything about this data breach because Sabre uh, Hospitality, I believe, is the organization that got broken into. Uh, all of the data was stolen. So credit cards being stolen, you're absolutely right. There's a ton of credit cards that get stolen uh, every day. And a million is nothing compared to something like Target that was 100 million. The problem here is it wasn't just the uh, credit cards that were stolen. It was stolen from corporate clients. And it included all of these very large businesses expense pur purchases. Uh, and, you know, let's say that there's a large bank expensing trips to Hawaii and putting it on their credit card. That could look bad. That could be a big problem. So um, I received this frantic phone call. I was trying to keep track of data breaches. There is no good source to keep track of data breaches. And so I had the thought, hey, let's, you know, let's, let's go ahead and, and make a source, make a reliable source to, to keep track of these events. So this is the lawsuit uh, uh, that is final, you know, bringing sort of a bookend to that entire breach, um, final payout for all it. I think it's actually a really low payout amount. Um, Two million, three million, I would have expected, you know, 10X, even 100X that. Yeah, uh, Sabre just... was reported to have uh, 4 billion in revenue in 2019. So, yep. nothing. So it's, it's uh, not even a speeding ticket for them. Um, and I don't know if they've learned anything from it, um, but it is uh, a data breach that's near and dear to my heart um, because uh, Sabre is a company that usually floats under the wire. Not a lot of people hear about Sabre, uh, but when they have a data breach like this, a lot of large banks freak out. Yeah, um, this, Settlement is extremely low. I wasn't sure how much revenue Sabre made, uh, but so the four billion number uh, is news to me. But uh, I was looking at the settlement and I found other numbers here. The state of Nevada got forty-seven thousand dollars out of this settlement. The state of Virginia got sixty-eight thousand dollars out of this settlement. I guarantee you, they spent more on lawyers than that. Um, this settlement is partially why there are so many hacks because there is just, if you're going to get fined just a few million dollars here uh, to lose 1.3 million, you know, why bother investing in cybersecurity? So if the cost to Sabre was a lot more, I guarantee you they would have done a lot more to prevent this. I think it's a sign of the times because 2017, uh, the go-to for hackers 
was steal credit cards and sell them. Um, I think today, if Sabre was broken into the exact same way, ransomware, and they would have paid out far more than $2 million for a ransomware demand. All right, number four. Number four data breach we're covering today is from My London News. Up to half a million victims of British Airways data breach could be eligible for compensation. So again, on with the breach resulting in maybe some people getting paid. Um, but lawyers are urging victims of a significant British Airways data breach to come forward as they could be in line for up to 2,000 pounds in compensation, uh, which is, I use the internet calculator, but 2,700 US dollars. Uh, is that enough to, when your information is, is spilled like that to, to kind of just say, okay, it was worth it? Um, I think I'm one of the victims and I don't think I'll ever see $2,700 or 2,000 pounds from this. From what I gather on that uh, article, um, I don't think everyone was getting a flat 2000 because I was doing the numbers and it just doesn't add up. Um, they should have received way less or way more. So I'm not exactly sure how they calculate that. But the article, uh, the most interesting thing that I got out of that article was, again, it went from the, the, the punishment was pretty minuscule. It went from 183 million pounds to 20 million pounds because of COVID and everything. So uh, they got a just a slap on the wrist. Wait, why did COVID make their payout go lower? Because British Airways is not making any money, I guess. How does that impact their liability for a data breach? <laughs> I don't There's know. You asked the Internet Commission office or whatever that ICO means. There's got to be something better. Um, and, and at this point, everyone should just have their own identity theft, like, nonstop. Like, just assume you need it. That I think that's the point we're at, is identity theft is uh, bound to happen. Um, hackers probably have enough information to steal your identity. Um, and if you don't have a monitoring service, then you're really going to be missing out. Like, I think the fact that I don't know, but I believe I'm one of the victims is case in point. I'm pretty sure they sent me a letter saying like, hey, we leaked your data. And it was like one of a hundred I received that month. And I was like, eh, whatever. The last topic for today, and it's with our dear old friends. Um, this comes from the Financial Times. Headline reads, U.S. agencies say Russia was likely behind massive cyber attack. Hacking campaign appeared to be part of an intelligence gathering effort resulting in serious compromise. What are y'all's thoughts? Has it changed? Um, what, what can we expect? So this is yeah. the second time we've covered the SolarWinds hack. I don't think it's going to be the last. Um, what do you guys think about the ripple effect that we're going to see from solar winds and like how fucked are we are we like is this a really 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 bad breach because i i think solar winds could be the breach of 2020 it could be it could win the award double gold for breaching solar winds 
this this to me is you know i've i've spoken a couple of times about third party risk this is ultimate great fourth party risk use case this is the third party that your third parties use that you assume that they use uh and is it i think is leading to a lot of information which on its, its surface is not going to be um substantially damaging but is going to lead to to further hacks so that i think the reason that it's the breach of 2020 is that the information gleaned from this breach is leading to a lot of other incidents that we're going to either find out about or we've already found out about. I, I think this is uh, the case in point for third-party risk. They had 18,000 clients. And, and I know uh, organizations that had SolarWinds as a critical vendor and they're using Orion. Um, so I, I think with 18,000 clients, um, I'm going to bet that those are, you know, at least a thousand fortune 500, no, that math doesn't work at least a thousand fortune 5,000. Um, so like 20% of the fortune 5,000. Um, so that this, I think this is a big deal. Um, I think, and, and they sat quietly. That's, that's the scary thing. Um, they could have deployed independent packages and independent backdoors to 18,000 different organizations. SolarWinds could have only been the tip of the spear. Uh, if they deployed backdoors into, you know, Microsoft was one of the ones that announced that they were a part of the SolarWinds hack. Uh, if they deployed a backdoor into a Windows update, like now they're in every computer. So I, I think that this is, it's really scary because when hackers break in and then they sit very quietly for months, like that's the worst thing they can do. Initially when this came out, it was just like one or two government agencies, then it increased. Um, and that was just, I, I think like four or five. And now um, I agree. I think this is as, as we go on, it gets worse and worse and worse. We heard that Microsoft had their source code exposed from this um i think as more information comes out it's going to get worse um ironically um it was also subsequent information has been a little quieter um but in the security industries uh we know how bad this is and when news does hit of this and more information does come out we're going to say wow this is bad there was a security researcher that analyzed the DNS records of the hacker uh, or hacker group that was targeting specific SolarWinds clients after breaking in. Now, they came up with this huge list of companies they think were breached, uh, but they, they put a lot of caveats in there. They, they put alleged all throughout that. So um, what, what I think is going to be revealing is 30 days after the breach or 30 days after the breach was announced, uh, some of these state level disclosure laws kick in. And I think we're going to start seeing in um, Montana, California, Washington, uh, I think we're going to start seeing state level disclosures of companies that were breached as part of this. It's the same thing with Blackbaud. Blackbaud was breached. Uh, there were a lot of companies that were, in theory, also breached. But then a month to two months later, we started seeing a whole string of companies disclosing at a state level 
that yeah, they, they were breached through BlackBaud. Um, I think it's going to be the same thing with SolarWinds. I think we're going to have uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of data breaches that are disclosed at the state level uh, because of the SolarWinds. And from that, that's how we're going to know how fucked we are. Because if there are critical infrastructure, uh, critical healthcare, um, you know, critical bank infrastructure companies that were also breached. You don't, you don't know how deep the hacker got. Sorry, I'm, I'm being ignorant here since I'm not from the US, but is there any kind of law that actually forces companies to disclose breaches or they just can keep it quiet? Not national law. Yeah, not, not federal. There, there needs to be a federal law, but I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Um, there are only state level laws and there are only certain states that have strict laws. Uh, some states have gone the opposite way. Uh, Ohio has very specifically said that you don't have to disclose. Um, but states like Montana um, and California, Washington have strict laws. And so any organizations that are operating uh, within those states, they have to disclose if a certain number of residents of the state have been exposed. That's good. I mean, for those states that are actually enforcing that. Unfortunately, uh, we are in Texas and we, we do not have a, a disclosure law in Texas. So we, uh, we often learn, yeah, we, we often learn about Texas businesses that have breaches from other states. That's bad. Yeah, well, uh, at least we have something. I don't think a lot of countries have disclosure laws. Um, you know, the, the GDPR, uh, the EU, they know about all the breaches that have happened within the EU, but they don't disclose it. They don't tell you which companies have actually leaked your data. Uh, same thing with the UK, the ICO every now and then will disclose some companies that have leaked the data, but all they do is they give statistics. So the US is actually much more open, even though they don't have a federal law, they're much more open about who's been breached versus company or versus, uh, you know, territories that have a national or, you know, union based law. Um, they still don't disclose uh, to uh, to the public. And so the public's really hurting here. In, in the end, the consumer's getting screwed because um, whether you have a national law or you don't, um, the only people that are getting and retaining this information are governments and they're not letting that information out. Well, uh, this has been a bourbon and breaches for the beginning of 2021, I'd say we're in for an interesting year. Um, the breaches keep getting bigger and more interesting. Uh, so if you enjoyed what you saw today, uh, like, follow, subscribe, and comment. Leave a comment. Make sure you leave a comment. Uh, if you have any bourbons you'd like us to cover, you can email us. Uh, if you have any breaches you'd like us to cover, you can email us as well. Contact at hacknotice.com. Uh, until next time. Cheers.